1 Corinthians 13, and really, y'all, just while you're turning there, it is, it is so good uh, to see your faces, really, even, um, even on Zoom, like truly, it really is. Um, and no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, and no matter what you have done, we are glad that you're here. And I want you, Caroline wants you to feel welcome, and we're glad to see you tonight. Um, again, my name is Matt Patrick. And I'm the campus minister here with Wofford RUF, and uh, Caroline and I, we want to we wanna get time with you. We want to eat lunch with you, be on campus. We can go on campus. We've, given, we've been given permission, so we would love to meet with you um, outside on campus, whatever you're comfortable with. Little River Coffee downtown has great outdoor seating if you can beat the heat in the morning. And uh, there are also some really great lunch options off campus with good outdoor seating. That's pretty safe. Uh, and if you're looking for recommendations to that end, Converse Deli, which is right across the street from Converse College, if you haven't already been, um, and that's a, a local Spartanburg restaurant, so they could use the help. Converse Deli has great outdoor seating. Um, and then you have Little River, as I already mentioned. So we'd love to meet you there. Um, First years, uh, freshmen, congrats on getting through the first two days of your college career at Wofford. That's no small thing. And so it's good to see especially you guys. So what is RUF? Um, RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and we aspire to be a Christian community on campus to walk alongside you during these formative years of college to help you grow in your faith. And we're one of the many campus ministries on campus. Um, Rev. Ron uh, is a great pastoral resource that you definitely should meet with and offers so much wisdom and counsel and is just um, the pastoral care that you'll get from him. It's fantastic campus outreach in Newkirk or also other campus ministries among other many other campus ministries. So we're one of the many and um, we're glad to see you tonight. Um, if this is your last time in RUF, um, for whatever reason, you got a lot of other folks trying to walk alongside you. In RUF, we're an imperfect crew of people seeking to love God, to love others, and to love Wofford. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we're here. It's why we're gathered together. But most fundamentally, before we seek to love God, seek to love others, and seek to love Wofford, we're more fundamentally bound by the reality and compelled by the reality that God loves us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So in short, RUF, we're about love. And RUF, we're about love. Uh, the college years are some of the most formative years of your life. I don't have to tell you that, but I'm going to. Some people might have told you over the years, uh, and maybe you've heard this uh, even the last two days, college is, quote, the best four years of your life. Or maybe your parents or your aunt and uncles have said, it's the best four years of my life. But here's the deal. Even though you are constantly surrounded by more people than ever, maybe that you've ever been surrounded by in your entire life, it can also be one of the most lonely and isolating experiences you can ever have in life. So you can walk in and out of the library and in and out of Burwell and Milliken and tr not truly be known by anyone and not really know anyone else. And so in RUF, we want to invite you to experience a truly safe place where you can experience real community to truly know others and be known by others while you are here. That's my prayer for you. That's, I hope you experience that in RUF. During your time in college in Wofford, you will change. 
you will change. You will change in the way that you do classwork, friendship, dating. You'll change the way you think. Some of you will change the way that you eat. You'll substitute late night cookout runs for all natural groceries from Whole Foods or sushi bowls from Pokinori or the other way around. Uh, Pokinori is substituted uh, by cookout. But you'll change. Some of you will change your major 75 times before finally deciding, which um, is actually okay at Wofford College not to have a 10-year plan your freshman year. In college, you'll change. And at Wofford, you are flooded with decisions. In college, you're, you're flooded with decisions. There's so many decisions to make. What am I going to major in? What's the me- best lunch option on campus? Who will I eat lunch with? And now with the pandemic, where, where will and can I sit? What will I do after college? What student organizations will I plug into? Which campus ministries are the best and which will fit best with me? Who will I date? Will I date? Who will I be Greek or not? Flooded with decisions. And what you do and what you're involved in during college years, it feels so weighty and it feels overwhelming. But here, here's the deal. Rather than asking, what am I going to do for the college years? What if we ask this? And I hope this is a question that we ask in RUF. It's what I'm asking this semester. I want us to ask this question, not what am I going to do? What am I going to be involved in? But who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? In RUF, we aspire to be better lovers because we know we're going to change. We want to be better lovers. We long to be a people committed to loving God, loving others, and loving this place. And the Bible teaches that God is love. And that before all time, now and forever, God has existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a community of love, of giving and receiving in the life of the Trinity. It's what we believe. And we believe in Genesis 1 to 3 that God, who is love, created men and women in His image to extend His love in every area of their life. But you might know the tragedy of the human situation is that our loves became disordered because of what the Bible calls sin. And now life as we know it has never been the same. And so now what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus in this broken world, is to have our loves reordered by the very Spirit of Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. Now what it means to be a Christian in a fallen world is to have our loves reordered by the Spirit of Jesus. In other words, the Christian life is a life of love. And so this semester, we're going to be exploring a series together on relationships. Our relationships to God, with God, our relationships to our neighbors, our relationships to our own selves. And we're going to explore this because relationships in the Christian life is all about becoming a better lover. If you want to be skilled in being a lover of God and neighbor and place, you got to be a better lover. you got to be skillful in that. And so in that vein, I'm going to read uh, maybe one of the most famous passages in really all of like like language (laughs) about love, 1 Corinthians 13. You've probably heard it at maybe every wedding you've ever attended. Uh, I'm going to read it and then pray, and I'm just going to walk through it, okay? But friends, uh, I say this every week in RUF. I'm going to say it again. This is God's word. And he has spoken to us because he's not silent. And he's spoken to you and to me not to give us a book of rules to follow or an exam to ace. He has spoken to you and to me because he loves us. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. But if I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The word of God for the people of God. Let me pray. Ask that he might help us. Lord, we do ask that you would draw near to us now and that you would help us to understand your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, and we know that's true because you are living and active. But Lord, we are we want to be honest in this prayer, and we just confess that, um, well, I'll do it myself. I, my mind is busy, and my heart is restless, and I ask that you would slow me down and all of us down, that we might see that your word is beautiful because it lifts up your son. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Okay, the game plan plan is this, if you're the note-taking type. The first is this, the priority of love, point one, and second, the shape of love. The priority of love and then the shape of love. Let's do the first one, the priority of love. All right, so a few years ago, um, we were flying from St. Louis, which is where we lived before Spartanburg. We were flying from St. Louis to Spartanburg for me to interview for this job. Okay, so I was already nervous. Everything was going really smoothly. And then I sat down uh, on the plane and I was getting ready for takeoff. I had all my playlists saved. I had the Ringer podcasts with Bill Simmons, which is my favorite to listen to, to catch up on podcasts. I had... Everything was set up, had books, and then I opened my bag, and everything changed. And here's why. I realized that I left my computer at the security area. I left my, my, my computer in the security area, and I was certain that it was gone. Someone sold it. There's no way. It had good, like, it, I think the time that had passed between security and like takeoff, um, you know, or when I discovered this would have been about an hour. Like, it's gone. And then I called a friend, um, it's actually Jordan Griesbeck, who's uh, one of our speakers uh, at our retreat last year, who many of you know, I called Jordan was like, hey, dude, I'm freaking out. Please go to the airport and try to find my computer. He goes and he finds it, okay? So it's all good. I'm like on the same computer right now, you know, redemption. Um, but in that moment of panic, when I opened my bag, I thought to myself, 
What do I most need right now? What do I most need right now? And I was thinking, well, I have my phone. I have my wallet. And I have a few credit cards in there. We'll figure this thing out. Like, I've never been to Spartanburg before, but I don't need my computer. Jordan's got it. It's all good. But I bring that up. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you've asked yourself on a deep level, what do I most need right now? Because the reality is like, you've probably asked yourself that question since you've been on campus, like freshmen and seniors who like no offer to in and out, right? And according to the Apostle Paul in this letter to the church in Corinth, who is like a hodgepodge church who needed a letter from an older brother, the one thing that you need is love. In verses uh, one through three, the Apostle Paul, speaking to that church, says that you can have all the spiritual and prophetic gifts. You can have all of them. You can have the gifts of, of, of an activist, of giving yourself away for the sake of the oppressed. If your spirituality is peak and your faithfulness is radical, Paul says you can have all that. But if you don't have love, you are nothing. You gain nothing. Paul's trying to get us to be compelled by the priority of love. It's all that we need. Friends, love is actually what you most need right now. That's what the Christian faith says. It's what you most need. And it... it, and as I was thinking about this passage, it made me want to like ask, you know, Paul, if I could talk to Paul and be like, Paul, how would you translate this passage to Wofford College, like folks at Wofford? And I think maybe that he would say things like this. If you volunteer at the local homeless shelter or do an overseas mission trip, if you get that internship in D.C., if you get into this or that Greek organization, if you crush it and get a 4.0, if you find the perfect guy or girl to date, if you serve on orientation staff or campus union, if everyone knows your name on campus, guys, listen, he probably would say things like that, but you can have all that. And then he would say, if you don't have love, you gain nothing. According to Paul, what you most need, what I most need is not a perfect resume. And it's not like a perfect year on campus either. What I most need is love. What you most need is love. So that's point one, priority of love. We're going to two, the direction of love. I think I said shape of love up here, um, but we're going to do the direction of love. And so it's tempting, y'all. Look, when we think about love, typically we think about love as an abstraction. And what I mean by that is like to think about love is to think only in terms of strong affections, fuzzy feelings, like butterflies. And like, what is the phrase that we use to describe like when people are dating and it's getting serious and the guy's probably about to propose at some point, how do we describe their relationship? They're falling in love. They're falling in love. He's falling out. He's falling in love with her. Matt's falling in love with Ivy. It's my wife's name. She's the best. She's not right. She's not here right now, but she'll, she'll hang out with us one day. They're falling in love. According to the Apostle Paul, y'all, love is not primarily, or maybe even secondarily, a feeling or an abstraction. Love involves actions. Love has flesh and bone to it. Love like doesn't just um, like your roommate. Love like does the dishes for your roommate, right? It's action. 
And so in verses 4 and 8, Paul describes the direction, the shape of love. Listen to Paul again. I'm going to read this. Love is patient and kind. I hope you can hear this in a fresh way because it's like in all the weddings. But look, it's patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. Not irritable or resentful. And he goes on. The direction of love, y'all, is toward the ultimate good of others. That's the direction. It's away from yourself and towards the ultimate good and flourishing of those around you, like all your neighbors. That's the shape. That's the direction of love. That's where love goes for the Christian, away from yourself. Love is not tapping your foot with impatience when your roommate, because they haven't done the dishes in the past two days or a week and you've asked them 75 times. Love does not envy when a classmate gets a higher score on their paper than you. And love doesn't boast when you get the higher score on the paper than them or you land that internship in DC or you get into your favorite med school. Love is not getting irritated at classmates who just don't get the social issues of the day like you or as deeply enough as you. And they just don't get it, and why won't they get it? Love does not rejoice when someone you don't like fails. It's not love. So I hope you see Paul is is not just the, the priority of love. That's all you need, truly. And then also the direction and shape of love. I hope that you're seeing that, like, Love is tangible. Love is earthy. Love is mundane. Love truly is like, um, you know, I have a friend that told me, he's like, everyone wants to change the world. No one wants to do the dishes. Love does the dishes. (laughs) Love, like everyone wants to change the world, like with abstract thought and big ideas. No one wants to do the dishes. So the shape of love, mundane acts of humility and patience committed to the ultimate flourishing of your neighbor. That's the direction and shape of love. So I want to close with this. I'm landing the plane. The person of love didn't announce this point, but that's how we're landing. The person of love. Y'all, the, the Bible says that the law is summed up this way, loving God and loving neighbor. All the law and the prophets, the whole Bible is summed up by those commandments. The two great commandments, they're called. And then we read that Jesus says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Listen, y'all, in Jesus, the love of God took on flesh. God is love, and we know that by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. If you were to substitute love with Jesus in our passage, it totally works biblically and theologically. Jesus was patient. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus was not, is not arrogant or rude. He didn't insist on his own way. He didn't rejoice in wrongdoing. In Jesus, you have the literal, tangible embodiment of love. And let me tell you about Jesus' love. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you 2,000 years ago. Jesus was nailed to a tree for everyone to see it on public display and did not die like a man. He died like an animal or insect. And he suffered a state-sponsored execution, dying horribly. And all of your disordered loves, your secret and public sins died with Jesus. 
And then three days later, he walked up out of a graveyard, ascended to the throne of the Father, seated at his right hand. And he said to the world that all of your disordered loves will never have the last word for his people. Will never have, like, COVID-19 will not have the last word for Jesus because the tomb is empty. And at the cross, he really said it's finished. And y'all, it's really finished. And so the love of Jesus is a love that is endless. It has no limits. It's a new every morning kind of love. There's so many things that we cannot depend on. And we can take it to the bank that Jesus is not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And let me tell you, like this is the kind of love when you experience it that will compel you to be a lover of God. Someone who loves your neighbors, all of your neighbors, not some of your neighbors. And a, and a kind of person that wants to love Wofford when you get this love inside of you. I'm going to ask you, do you know that? Do you know that love? I really hope that you do. Um, my prayer this semester, like that's what we're going to talk about. How to be better lovers from the, the standing point of like we have been so deeply loved. Like there's no looking back. Like we've got to love differently and we've got to be better lovers. Like that's what we're doing this semester. And I'm super fired up about it. And if we're on Zoom the entire year, like we're going to do it. And I want you to be confident. Like, yeah, so we're not going anywhere in RUF and that's what we're going to do this semester. I'm going to pray and we're going to break up in the groups, okay? Lord, thank you for your word. Again, it's living and active. And Lord, you've loved us so deeply and profoundly. And, um, I've been changed by it and uh, there's no going back for me and um, so many in this crew uh, have experienced this and um, we want to love better and we need your help desperately. Um, So Lord, I do pray even just now um, during these small group discussions that you would draw near and and be with them and that um, people would begin to feel connected and known in Christian community and that they would feel the hospitality of Jesus, even in this meeting and um, that they would just have fun and enjoy each other. And uh, I pray this in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen.